0: Inside Fantasy Sports Podcast.
2: Indeed. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you are listening to us. This is Inside Fantasy Sport Podcast, and I'm your host, the Super Coach Hawk, Rob Kennedy. And I'm sitting here with my mate, the big horse, Mickey Dell. Now, Mickey, before I ask you how you're doing, I promise you, I'm 99% focused right here, but I'm not going to lie. There is 9% of me that's looking over my right shoulder at what's going on in the Ashes. I can't help it. But how are you, my friend? How are
1: you? Yeah, good, mate. How good was the last game of the round, West Coast Saints? We'll get into that later, but, geez, they got a bit of a scare, didn't they? Old Rossi Lyon. I actually saw a bit of a stat uh, Thursday, which shows that St Kilda are one point per game worse than what they were last year and are conceding two points more than what they were last year. So for those that think that structurally they're better um, offensive and defensively than what they were last year, think again, because the stats are saying otherwise.
2: Mate, we've said it here before and I'll Mm. say it again. You go by the big horse, but I call you the stat man. And you have set the bar very high with a stat like that. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. Really interesting to hear. Look, that being said, though, I think it's not the same Ross line. I mean, we're seeing similar structures. We're seeing different things. But to his credit, he's trying to modernize the game of football. And if we're going to look at those top teams, who's sitting up the top? We now have a clear top three in Collingwood, Port Adelaide, and Brisbane. And they play a particular style of football. And therefore, it's all going to to have Rossinisms, if we can call it that. But he's got to play a little bit attacking as well. So it doesn't shock me that there's a little bit of difference there. But, mate, I love that. You're bringing the insights nice and early to today's podcast. And that's where we are going to keep kicking on. Should we dive in, mate? Let's do it. Thanks, too. The standard squeeze. Absolutely. Speaking of Brisbane, they keep on keeping on at the Gabba with a massive, massive 81 point victory over the Tigers. 133, 134 to 53. Our boy Hugh McCluggage. We've talked about him before. 157. Lockie Neal had an absolute blinder with a 143. Joe Danaher, 122, of course, kicking that many goals. You're going to put up the scores. My first of two loopholes in this game Wilmot getting me a 120, uh, Ashcroft getting me a 111, and Josh Dunkley had a lot of the VC tags on him at a 107 and a 107 after being subbed quite early.
1: What'd you see from Brisbane, mate, before we get to Richmond? Yeah, they were really good, weren't they? Uh, I'm still not sold on them until I see them do it against some good quality opposition here at the G where, you know, your big finals are going to be played, but. Yeah, Wilmot, it just it shits me a little bit. You know, by <laughs> this time in the year, people should have already traded off their players like this into a supposed primo. And this is one that I had, and I remember trading him out for Darcy Cameron. And Darcy Cameron shit the bed on the weekend. We'll get into that game <laughs> later, but congratulations <laughs> on loopholing him into your side. Um I assume that you would have went north at 2,500 this week if that was one of your two.
2: just short. And I'll tell you who I should have been. I was sitting, mate, Darcy Cameron was one of them, um, who I ended up moving on the bench. So I made the right call there. I'll tell you who shat the bed for me. And it was today. All the shats of the bed were today for me. Um, I was skyrocketing above 2,500 if it wasn't for... uh, Uh, Nat 5 and things like that. But we'll get there. We'll get to those games. But, yeah, look, I've had to make some interesting moves. And and I'm I'm always big on keeping that one player on the bench. I held off making a trade. I was going to move Humphrey this week. But I think I need my five. I'm happy with five. Five makes me feel good. It also mm. let me watch a few extra players this week that you and I have talked about, the Callum Mills, the Paddy Dangerfields, the the Himmelbergs, and we're going to get into those players in this podcast right now um, because I think it's vital that we speak of these players. We're also doing our little mini pods or our standard squeeze super sixes of who we think is going to finish in those top six positions. And mm. um, some of those players came through and some of those players ripped hamstrings as well. So we'll get into those as we go through because we can't forget that DPP is coming up, mate. From a um, Richmond perspective, there wasn't much to talk about. Vlostone with a 120, Broad with a 118, Bolter with a 100. Clearly, all the defenders getting a bit of football. Uh, Tim Taranto had the uh, Josh Dunkley tag on him and only produced a 72. So, not really a performance for Richmond to remember.
1: No, there wasn't really much to talk about. And Jaden Short doing a pig string early on, that sort of hurt four touches. Four kicks, one goal. He was already sitting on 48 supercoach points. That's one player where you think if he stays healthy that he could really help out a supercoach side at the back end of the year. But unfortunately, that's probably, when we're talking supercoach-wise, that's the year for a player like that. There's a player for Brisbane I want to bring up that some players brought in. uh, Fletcher, the son of, I forget which Fletcher it was, that played a lot of games at Brisbane. Adrian Fletcher.
2: that's it. Adrian, thank you because do you know yeah. all I had in my head was Dustin and I knew it wasn't Dustin, but I just couldn't get no. Adrian. Well done. Well done by you. No.
1: So <laughs> 76 for those that brought him in as a rookie, that was his um, bubble week. Uh, a nice little score there. That's similar to, you know, your Sheezels and your your sards and Himmelbergs and those sorts of players. So if you looped him onto the ground, you wouldn't be disappointed with that.
2: Can play. Looks really good. Looks really he, classy. He no, the He's right
1: really nice.
2: Yeah, knows how to find the footy and just just looks good, speaks well as well. The two of them are getting the media test after most games at the moment, so definitely yeah. can play. Can I ask you one quick question before we move on? More of a footy question than a fantasy question. Richmond Football Club, if you're a supporter of Richmond, so look, this year's kind of done and dusted a little bit. If we look into next year and where they're currently sitting, I mean, they've still got the likes of Tom Lynch, Jacob Hopper. They've just lost Jaden Short, so he's obviously will come back as well. Where do they sit for you? Because I still rate their list reasonably high. I think even just a Tom Lynch coming back to their side makes a big difference next year. Are they yeah. still in a bubble? And what do they need to actually get in back to contention category? Because they're not a rebuild in my opinion.
1: Now, I think something that works in their favour is that they always play well at the G. And I think they always walk a little bit taller when Dustin Martin's around. Like even though he hasn't been performing at the heights of what he was during the premiership years, he's still that player that when he touches the ball, he can he can turn it on. You know, like one of those R-rated movies when I was a young fella. You know, just he can just get it and just bang there it is, lights on, here we go.
2: So, I had no idea where you were going with that, but I yeah, like no, it very we'll, good. very we'll good.
1: keep it as PG-rated as we can. Um, sorry, mum, for watching, but. Like love Hold
2: on. You've gone with an R-rated reference, but we're keeping it PG. Mate, that's
1: a skill set that you should be proud of. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now with Richmond, <laughs> I, I think they're a top eight side, but they're not a premiership side anymore. Like I think we saw that early on with Dima and I believe that that's part of the reason why he jumped. He got the maximum he could out of this playlist. They are still a good playlist. Like you've got, Lynch to come back, you got Martin to come back, a fully fit Jaden short, these sorts of players. Like they're, they're pretty handy players, but mm. from a depth point of view, they don't have the depth of your Brisbane Lions and these sorts of teams. Collingwood, like they can replace basically anyone at the moment. So you, what, what it's showing is that you need a good list to be able to perform at the very high level for the the period of the year, not just your best 22 or 24, because that'll pull you up short every time. That's a very good call. Very good call from the big horse.
2: Uh, Mm -hmm. We move on to the drawn game. And what an absolute rip snorter it was. I mean, low scoring, but what do you expect from Sydney and Geelong? Uh, 54 to 54, but it was 6-18. Uh, Sydney Swans to 7-12. Geelong. Um, Errol Goulden with a 124, the, uh, Lizard with a 106, Callum Mills, definitely passing the eye test. And I know you're bringing in, so I'll double check that you've still brought him in with a 106. Yep, brought him in, Luke, yep. Yeah. Lukey Parker with a 103. My third loophole of the week was Sheldrick with a 102 and Jakey Lloyd with a 98, From a Geelong perspective, Tom Stewart just putting up big numbers. You called it last week that he's going to average 120 to finish out the year. He got a 147, so that doesn't do your comment any disjustice. Uh, Zach Toovey with a 126. Grime Myers with a 113. Atkins, the inside mid bull that you called as well, 111. And uh, Blickvast keeps on doing a pretty good job with 91. The only one to really mention there was Dangerfield with a 54.
1: I'm surprised he got to 54, to be honest with you. Like he was sitting on 16 in the third quarter off 12 touches or whatever it was. Uh, for those that uh, were messaging about Heaney, this is why Rob and I told you for the duration of the year not to bring him in because he shits the bed more than a two-and-a-half-year-old fresh out of nappies. What did you get? 46. No good. You know, when you're talking about leading in the finals and a finals team, if you want your super coach team to do well, you need proven performers and performers that are going to perform consistently. He is not one of them. Now, Robbie, I'm going to throw it to you. I believe there needs to be an investigation into this game. Robbie Fox, Tommy Hickey twice, McDonald, Heaney, all missed shots within 30 metres, easy set shots, you know, uh Twice, Hickey within fifteen meters. I reckon they had a bet on the draw.
2: Whoa! Conspiracy. I need a little. We need to get. We need to speak to a producer. I'm actually writing notes to, uh, notes to the producer yeah. as you speak about your Isaac Heaney call just then. But mate, we're talking about. uh That's a big conspiracy theory. Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, Hickey's did you, was an did absolute. you watch it? Hickey's was an absolute stinker. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah, I've seen.
1: Under tens at the local Oz kick, kick it backwards and it was closer to goal than what his was. <laughs> it was terrible. So mate, I don't I, know. I, yeah, I, 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 I don't think know. It did well as a ruckman, but his skill set needs work because that was shit out.
2: Yeah, you can't miss. You can't miss like that. And look, there's. I think there's many moments that Sydney are going to look back on. We were talking to our mate um, on Twitter, um, having we? a really good chat. Yeah, having a good chat about. Uh, You know, the moments and the agony that he was feeling and then and then and he's right, like they they were behind in the dying moment, so they came back. That's a game they should have won. They were on top of that game, they should have won the game, many opportunities to win it, and they uh they missed it. They missed it a lot. I'm having nightmares because my son's coming out to potty training now and he's nearly at about two and a half, mate. So he've made me very nervous about how many shits in the bed are gonna happen. There
1: you go. (laughs)
2: Do you know what? If I can find anything that gives me a little bit of smile when I have to start cleaning that kind of stuff up, mate, that's what I'm going to go with. So well done. Well played by you. Thank you. (laughs) We we move on to Adelaide versus North Melbourne. And uh, I don't know. There's a competition for sure. Brisbane at the Gabba or Adelaide
1: at Adelaide Oval. Who's better? Jeez, it's close, isn't it? Very similar. It is. Adelaide, they're just – they're phenomenal. I'm going to give the points to Adelaide purely because Melbourne almost overrun them earlier this year after that light scenario. Good shout. But Good yeah, shout. Adelaide so Adelaide, with, phenomenal.
2: they play their ground very well. Their fans get behind them a lot at 138. 138- 8-72 victory over the Rue boys. Uh, Rory, uh, Riley O'Brien with a 144. Ben Keys with a 124. I didn't watch this game as closely, so I'll throw it to you in a second because somebody said Ben yeah. Keyes has lost his midfield role, and they, they said it in five minutes, but he put up a big score. So I'm intrigued. I'll, I'll get through some stats, and then I'll throw it to you. Hinge with a 110. Rankin with a 109. Rochelle with a 103. Dawson with a 102. Uh, and Laird with an... Uh, 84. I threw up and down, up and down, up and down for a while for captaincy. I actually didn't go with either one of them. was stoked because everybody was all over it, but I trusted the gut. That is the motto for this year and next year. From a North Melbourne perspective, LDU back into the side with a 94. Thomas actually keeps on producing some good scores and playing some decent footy with a 94. Mm-hmm. Zebel 93. Uh, Schiesel with a 79.
1: Yeah, I watched this one pretty closely. And the first half, it was a shootout. Like, it was it was a really good game to watch. North Melbourne stuck it to them. were running and cu- gunning, sorry, trying to get it through the midfield. Each team was trying to attack each other through the midfield, which really opened things up. Uh, Adelaide just blew it apart in the third quarter, I think. To start the, the quarter, they kicked five and uh, just blew it from, what was it, 12, uh, 20 points to almost 50 points. And then, yeah, it was just basically arms distance the whole time. But yeah, Ben Keys, who's telling you that he's lost his midfield role? Because he's 29 touches. You don't get that in the back pocket.
2: Yeah, I nearly wanted to go and have a decent look. It was on Twitter. Somebody, I, I should have got the quote. Yeah. I just saw it at the start. And because I, I, I wasn't watching this game as closely. I'm trying to think what I was doing. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I was watching um, the Twitter feed. And because I think, oh, that's right. I was out with my family. But. Um, yeah, I was watching it closely because Dawson and uh, Led, and I wanted to check how I was going there. But, um, yeah, somebody just jumped on and said, oh, Ben Keys has lost his midfield role in a matter of minutes. I'm just going to have a quick look. I'm trying to have a little sneaky look at Chiefs. No, so what,
1: what it was doing is he was rotating with Sloan and then around the ground he was playing as a midfielder. So it was almost like they were using Sloan as an inside mid with Laird and Dawson at ball ups yes. and then using Keyes around the ground.
2: So I'll say this though, from a champion data standpoint, he didn't have one stat inside defensive 50. He did mm-hmm. have 30% defensive half, 70% offensive half, but he still, his heat map was still out on the wing. He, like, I'm not saying he was playing on the wing, but he got a cluster of them there. So you're right. He must've just played a bit of forward time, but still got some quality midfield. I'll make sure I have a look during the week to what his CBAs were, but yeah, look, he just keeps yeah. on scoring at the moment and, um, and scoring well. So yeah, yeah. It's, definitely, it's definitely one I missed. Absolutely, I didn't trust it. So. Yeah, I um,
1: this is one of the the balls ups that I did for the week. I end up slapping the C on Dawson. Yep. So I saw that last year he had thirty seven touches and went to town on North Melbourne, and I thought, well, not many people are going with him this week. I might try something a little different, and uh, it didn't pay off. What do you get? One hundred. You know what?
2: He, but but look at this, mate. If I told you a stat line: twenty eight disposals, twenty two of which were kicks, eight mm-hmm. marks, eight tackles. That's not 102 for a Jordan Dawson. Do you know what I mean? He started,
1: he, he started slow.
2: Yeah, he started slow. He went. At, he ended up at 64% efficiency, so that never helps anybody. I'm trying to have a look. He had two intercept possessions. He had six turnovers, um, and he had. He didn't have any freeze again. So look, it wasn't the worst game, but you would have expected yeah. a little bit more than 102 from him. But mate, I, I was having a really good look, and I, t- mate, I was analyzing, and analyzing, and I was just going to my games. And I went. It just, for me, made no sense to go those two over Dacos with the type of numbers he was putting up. And I also get worried about certain teams when they play weaker sides. There's certain players who really step up in those moments and there's certain players who don't. I was going Rory Laird until I gave a quick text to our mate and uh, Jake Skidmore got on and said, the rumours are Bailey Scott is tagging Laird. Once I got that, I'm like, nah, I'm off. I'm going to jump on Dacos. Dawson tends to step up in the bigger games is what I've noticed. So, yeah, yeah tough call. But, um, mate, it's not the worst call. I think you could have done a lot worse yeah. than trying to throw the C on Jordan Dawson. Wouldn't be the worst mistake you've made. Um, we go to the Western Bulldogs versus Fremantle. And Bulldogs getting up by 29 points. But i tell you what, Fremantle were kicked a goal in the last quarter, get up by four. But from then, mm. it went bang, bang, bang. And I'll tell you why. There was a midfield – so. Uh, Bulldogs get up, uh Fremantle, sorry, get up by four points. We go to the center bounce. You've got English, Bont, Libba, McRae versus, I think there was Darcy, but then you had Erasmus, uh, Johnson, and someone else. Not Sorong, not Brayshaw, not 5-5, Five, Five got subbed. Darcy was on the bench. I know exactly Maybe Darcy was, was on the there. bench. There you go. They kick three goals nearly without Fremantle touching the football. Yep, those are the moments, and this is where I was sitting with my mate, and I said, "This is Fremantle, and where they need to fix it. That is an absolute disgrace,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that's where they need to fix themselves going forward." And they, you know, they've realised their premiership window isn't there. They've got a forward line at the moment of Treacy, Amis, and Jackson. That's a forward line that could win you a premiership in two, three years' time, right? I, and I think they're on that trend, which is good. But, look, other than that, it was a good game of football. Tim English had an absolute blinder with a 127. Bailey Dale, a 121. Tom Libertorio, a 121. Bontempelli, a 114. Trelora a 112. McRae, a 107. For me, English and Libertorio were by far the best two players on the ground. Cox just getting a lot of ball down back. But he was on Hugo Hagen, who actually, I think, kicked. Four, if I'm correct uh, Sarong yep. had a 138 Darcy a 125 had a good game two uh, Clark a 106 Henry again getting disposals out on the wing which was good to see with a 102 although he's got to work on his kicking efficiency and Hayden Young with a 100 a uh, bit disappointing for Brayshaw with only an 80 a lot of people sort of got the got the tag on him and Nat Fife getting subbed with what looks like another foot issue only 45 points
1: Fife looks a shell of himself, doesn't he? Really does. Yeah. It sucks because he's been such a good player for such a long time. But yeah, when you see a, a decline in someone's ability as quickly as what's happened with Fife, you, you know that the end's not far away. Um, from a footballing point of view, this game was really stagnant. It was just stop, start, kick down the line, hope for the best. Hopefully, something falls out the back kind of game. It wasn't until the last quarter where um, Western Bulldogs got those four clearances in a row. Uh, one was Trelaw, Bontempelli, Liberatore, and English, where that's that's when it broke the game open and, and that's where it was won. So uh, there is two players I want to bring up. Jamara Hagen is going to be a future star. He looked really, really good this game. I know Brennan Cox got 139 supercoach points and 13 marks. But Hagen looks really dangerous any time he goes near it. And Liam Henry, your shout from earlier in the year, it looks like he's starting to find his niche out in the wing. He's finding a lot of the ball. He's very fast. I actually really like his positioning. It gets to good Mm. spots. So I think Frio have one there in Liam Henry. But when we're talking from a potential superstar point of view, moving forward, Jamari Hagen looks an absolute ripper.
2: Yeah, I think you do. A couple of really good shout-outs there. Um, For me, let's start with Henry first. You're right. I think – and this is what I was saying to my mate. He gets frustrated a lot by his kicking efficiency, and I understand he's turning the footy over, but he's starting to find it now. And I think to quote yourself again there, and what I heard, which I think is spot on, is he's putting himself in much better positions to get the footy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, He'll he'll find himself – I think he'll find himself – yeah, a solid contributor for a long time to come. They knew when they drafted him, and I'm pretty sure it was number seven or number nine, they didn't want to take him that early. That wasn't the plan, but I'm, I can't recall. I want to say it was Carlton or someone like that made the bid early and they had to match it. So they didn't think he was going to go that early. They knew they had to, still wanted some time to get him to where he is. And look, he looks like he's coming through. Um, mm-hmm. JUH, um, mate, Hugo Hagen looks good. Uh, I think if he gets his kicking right. Um he jumps at the footy, he's got some long reach, he's confident with himself. He goes up and he gets it. If he can get that kicking strike, straight, uh, straight, I definitely think he's a player of the future. Mm-hmm. Um is he a million dollar player? I know on a different podcast I've been listening, they've been talking about future million dollar players. I mean, let's let's put in perspective of what the salary cap is as it currently stands. I don't know if he's a, a million dollar player yet. Um, but look, the the future's bright for him, you're spot on
1: you gotta, you got to look at Buddy Franklin's 50, first 50 games versus Jamara Hagen's first 50 games. And I, I'm not exaggerating here by saying there is a lot of similarities between the two. Oh,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There is, Mate, there is huge similarities. It, the interesting thing is there's massive similarities, I, I, I reckon. In, I mean, look, anytime you can say somebody does something better than Buddy, Hagen jumps up and takes a better mark than Buddy. Buddy was very good at leading up strong and then nudging under and then turning and beating Mm -hmm. the player on the way back. He was never a great lead up forward. Um, I think Buddy's got a much better kick at goal, but again, that's, you know, it's still early days for Yugo, but mate, sometimes the toughest thing is getting up clunking a couple of marks and going from there. You got to remember he's competing with a few other pretty good tour forwards down there at the moment too. So for him to get his piece, um, right now, in this in this stage of his career, is yeah, you no doubt the future's bright, and I look forward to watching him. He, he's he's one of those that you'll you'll be paying just to go and watch him play. Absolutely, For sure, mate. Gold Coast versus Collingwood. I think it was the record crowd up there. Uh, it was filled with Collingwood supporters, which doesn't surprise anybody. But it was just boys playing amongst men um, with Gold Coast. So I think Collingwood just came out and absolutely just raped and pillaged them to begin this game and get it going. They had a 120 to 42 victory. It's interesting that I say boys against men because the man who absolutely stood up as a boy himself in Nick Dacos, he is absolutely finding his way in that midfield now. And I mean no disrespect. I've said it back in the past – Look, I can respect players and I can recognize their talents when they're playing in that back line and getting those kicks behind the play and being efficient as they move forward. But when they go in the midfield and start doing things like that as well, that's when you're announcing yourself as a player and he is doing it. To go up there and do that against two ex-school teammates who were a couple of years or one or two years above him in in Matty Real and Noah Anderson, who were two of the biggest things to come out of high school from those NAB games that they played as well. Mate, to go up there and absolutely rip it apart was fantastic to watch. What made it better is I had the captaincy on him. So it was fantastic to see him score a 149 from a super coach standpoint as well. I'll tell you what, his brother's not a bad player either, and I think he's only going mm. from strength to strength as well with a 120. Johnny Noble just doing well in that back line with a 119. Uh, Billy Elliott with a 117. Um, Darcy Moore just keeps leading from the front for that team with a 105. Um, and Tom Mitchell can just be a, a just a player amongst the group with a 92. Muskie, oh, I'll go to Gold Coast first. Sam Flanders starting to get his hands on the footy with a 119. Noah Anderson with a 109. Matty Rao with a 104. They definitely stepped up more in the second half, which was good to see just to wave the flag for the team a little bit more. Um, Humphreys definitely has a different role now. I know some people have held on to him with a 53, but it's time to get rid of him. I think that will be my upgrade to 1C Mills this week. Jared Witz could be in a lot of trouble with his bump on... Uh, on uh, uh, Adams and um, and Darcy Cameron having a bit of a, a bit of a shocker. Barry Crocker with a sixty-one. One mm-hmm. thing I do want to mention before I, before I throw to you, mate, is big shout out to Scott Pen- Scott T Pendlebury. From what I hear, if I've heard correctly, he could pass the record for the most disposals ever total in the AFL mm-hmm. next week.
1: Nice one. That's that's huge, isn't it? That's ridiculous. I think I heard,
2: I've heard correctly. Look, I didn't back yeah. it up. I just watched it during the game. And I think he's, yeah, I think next week if he gets a reasonable amount of touches, he passes the most disposals is what I read. I'll go and do my research. I shouldn't have really put it on the pod before I checked it, but that's what I heard. Yeah,
1: that's okay. We can always come back to that and get the exact number. <laughs> um, I actually hate this result. Hate it. Why? Yeah. Because I rate Stewie Jew. And the acid's back on him. He's had such a good six weeks with this list, with the way that they've played, their their ability to take the game on. They've made other teams look pretty ordinary. They play one ordinary week. Damien Hardwick's the hottest commodity on the market. And now they're calling for Stewie Jew to, you know, to not so much resign, but get the sack. Piss off. Let the man coach. Like, you're not going to win every week. I know that this is a shocking result, but... You get Collingwood like this on any day. They did it to Port Adelaide. They made them look stupid at the G earlier this year. So yeah, for me, just just relax. Yeah, Gold Coast won't be happy with it, but you know what? You, you'll probably see them come out next week and they'll they'll have a bit of a chat about it. They'll do some game analysis and whoever they're playing, they may come out and win. Who knows? But I'm back in Stewy Jew here. He's a ripper coach. He knows how to get the best out of these players. He's not going to be happy with it, of course. You'll see him bounce back this week.
2: Yeah, I'm going to give the credit to Joey Montagna here. I think it was him who said it. He actually he actually came out and said that this isn't a Stewie Jew. That was not a Stewie Jew problem. He said it was a lack of effort. They showed a lack of urgency and and it was on the players. Um, so there, I think there's a few, players, um, few commentators out there that will get behind him. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. He'll be put back in the hot seat because all this showed was a great divide. Um, I was listening on the radio today and they were talking about, is this about how good Collingwood is, or is this again about Gold Coast not quite measuring up to, to possibly playing finals? So you're right. It'll be talked about, um, but I think they've got to keep backing in Stewie Jew um, as long as he's got the players behind him, which I think he does. Like When you see like Matty Rao and, and Noah Anderson, they want to stay. That's the most important part, and that's got to be that's a Stewie right. Jew piece. If everybody wants to start upping and leaving, then you got to do something. But from what it looks like, most are looking to stay. I was right. right. I just had a quick look. So he's, he's probably not going to be next week because he needs 40 touches. But, he's yeah, he's 40 away unless this hasn't been updated just yet. Um, he's, yeah, 9.616 to Robert Harvey, who's 9.656. So um, he'll do it in less games as well. So we have a higher average than, uh, than, uh, than Robert Harvey. I'm just having a look There There's not many on there. He, he's got the highest average out of the top uh, – what does that look like? It looks like a bit of a top fifteen, if I'm counting that correctly. So, where does where does Scott Pendlebury sit for you? You know, no Brownlows, plenty of plenty of club championship awards. Um, where does he sit with you in the in the goat conversation? Or will we just start with Collingwood first? Where does he sit in the Collingwood? Goat uh, a
1: very very good player. I don't think he enters the goat conversation. Uh, That's, for me, reserved for players that are game-breaking or can change the game with, you know, a a quick goal or, you know, just something out of the normal. You know, he he accumulates the ball really well and he's a really good user of the ball and he's been ultra-consistent for a long time. And let's give him credit, the longevity he's been playing for such a long time, his ability to keep his body right. That's awesome. Goat status, no, but very good. Collingwood, game of the century, whatever, potentially. But, yeah, def- like for me, definitely not goat status, no.
2: I reckon you've hit the nail on the head with the, the word that you used, is the consistency. I think he's right up there as one of the most consistent players that I've seen play the game of football. Week yep. in, week out, he produces quality. You know, yep. you're right. He might not be the guy that you go, Oh my God, wow, you've just ripped that game apart, absolutely destroyed it on on multiple occasions, but he's ultra consistent and uh, and definitely a player you'd want on your side. So big shout out to him. And uh, when he does break that record, congratulations. Fantastic, yep. fantastic. hundred percent, congratulations. We move on to your mob, and what a game. Uh, Bombers versus Port Adelaide. Hopefully, you're still doing all right after this, and you, you see some positives. And I'll throw to you pretty quickly on this one because there's a bit to, a bit to digest. 74-78. Uh, if anyone's been living under a rock, Dan Houston, absolutely ripping through a huge kick from about 55, maybe 55-plus, 55 not giving him enough credit there. Uh, in the wet to win the game after the siren. I'll quickly go through the scores and throw to you, mate. You can analyze this one. Zach Merritt with a huge 168. Darcy Parrish with a 121. Jai Caldwell with a 126. Hobbs really emerging himself with a 104. And Phillips with a 102. The Tons on the other side were Dan Houston with a 156. No doubt got some ultra points for kicking the game winner. Uh, Rosie with a 141. Farrell with a 131. Williams with a 110. And Zach Butters with a one oh nine, I throw to you, mate.
1: Heartbreaking, but yeah. it's good from an Essendon point of view that Port Adelaide are a top three side, and you know we, we gave it a real nudge. Like give it, give or take twenty seconds, we could have won that game. So, um, from a super coach point of view, Houston, Rosie, Butters, all the big names support Adelaide did really well. Uh, my boy Wines. Not real good. He's another one that killed me this week. Um, Promessed and Merritt, really good. I, I still – it's hard for me to say being an Essendon supporter, but I, I'd be happy if we traded off Parish. still. Wasn't damaging with the ball. We've got a ready-made player there in Hobbs. He will play that role. Like I, I bought this up eight weeks ago now, and I'm still sticking by it. Yes, Parrish is a really good player, but we've got players there that can take over. No worries. While Parrish was out for that four weeks, we went four and zero. Played really good footy, selfless footy, no worries. He's been back two weeks. We're zero and two. Yeah, that's that's my stand on it, and I'll continue to stick by if, that.
2: If this was the NBA. So if this was the NBA, and by the way, we do an NBA podcast, everybody as well, the, the crew there, Maddie Garrett, Maddie O'Brien, I think I might even be jumping in the uh, the pot on yeah. Tuesday, but I digress. Yeah. If this was the NBA, a good GM would go and move someone like a Parish to a lower ranked side and grab as many sort of first rounders as you could pick um, and maybe another position because of everything that you've just said. He has been, albeit, and we talked about with Cox and Hugo Hagen just before, albeit that he's getting his hands on the footy, but he's been smashed now the last couple of weeks. So he got smashed by Sarong. Sarong nudged him under the ball. You see the ruck tap it behind and over the spot. So they all nudge him under and mm-hmm. Butters and Rosie did the exact same thing. Nudge him under. He he happily takes that nudge. If he gets the footy, he's easily tackled but a good Ruckman is tapping it over the spot that he's now just left and off they go. And I encourage anyone that watches the Bombers over the next couple of weeks to see if it happens again because it happened multiple, multiple times and you just can't allow that. He's not defensive-minded enough for what your team is trying to produce.
1: No, spot on. But we digress. Super coach-wise, not too bad if you've got him. Uh, Mark made a bit of a down week, 79. He's been really good this year, and that's about it.
2: Sometimes, sometimes yeah. we forget we're a super, coach, um, a super yeah. coach podcast. There's probably people sitting out there going, I had the C on Parrish. He absolutely ripped it up for me. Yeah. It was fantastic.
1: That kick by Houston, that was unbelievable.
2: Unbelievable kick, man. Like, and he did it well, too, because you could, if you watch it, because you're not allowed to come off the line, he kind of yeah. let himself step a little bit to the left. Because he does swing out to the right, but he actually doesn't go that much wider than where the guy is on the mark. So he did it extremely well. I, I heard him today. Wet you might him. have heard it. Her, who it was. One of his teammates went up to him and said, even if you miss it, mate, I still love you. Kick the shit out of it. And like, do you know what I mean? And like he just said, it just gave me all the confidence in the world to just go and kick the, the poop out of it. And uh, and it went through. So look, I love little stories like that. I think it's good just to have a teammate come up and go, mate, I don't care if you miss it, kick the shit out of it. And uh, if you miss it, I'll still love you. So it's good. It's good. I love footy. Love footy. It's great. Uh, My mob against Carlton were no good today. Uh, We had a goalless first half, 52 to 112. We were much more respectful in the second half. Uh, Ward with the only ton for the Hawks with a 105. Uh, Will Day definitely didn't produce the game that we wanted with a 65. John Newcomb with only a 72 as well. Uh, From a Carlton perspective, Chera continues to put his hand up. If he doesn't win their best and fairest this year, someone is really rigging the votes uh, with a 130. Harry Mackay with a 126. uh, Always finds a way to find form against Hawthorne or Hawthorne maybe play him into form. Blake Akers with a 119. Silvani with a 109. Doherty with a 108. Paddy Cripps with a 104. And Sam Walsh possibly moving into DPP status with a mid-forward with a 99.
1: For those Carlton supporters that are saying you're back, (laughs) you're not yet. Come on. Ease up. Uh, Hawthorne were ordinary. I think you can agree with me on this one. In the first half, didn't kick a goal. And then the second half, they just kept them at arm's length. So uh, when we're talking about a super coach, relevant game Sard ordinary again 83 I've held him for so long I've got to keep him Charlie Curnow was pretty good 97 as well Uh Nick Newman back 59 for those that had him Kennedy 39 time to trade him on if you picked him up when he was super cheap and the seaman himself Seamus Mitchell 87 for those that have held him since rookie status and had him on field well done
2: didn't have him on the field only because of Wilmot's score. So he's the one that I pulled off for. Uh, I kept Sheezle on. So right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, he did end up scoring a little bit more than Sheezle. But look, I think you're going to keep the Sheez God over Sheamus every day of the week. But Sheamus, we talked about it. Sheamus without Sicily in the side, even with Sicily in the side, is really starting to become that sort of CJ runner off halfback without CJ in the team. But without Sicily, he's demanding even more football, which is. Uh, which is great to see. Um, he really is a, a good player. Your mate, Fergus Green, was back in the side. Didn't quite have his accurate kicking boots on in the first half, but kicked a couple in the second. And, um, yeah, Hawthorne, Hawthorne's still trying to find their way. I don't think there's too much more to talk about this game. But, uh, Carlton, fans, it's probably good to see them up and about. Let them enjoy it. But um, are you back? Well, we'll I wait don't to see. want
1: to. I hope, we'll Carlton, get we'll back wait in to- your box. <laughs> Piss off, Damo, I'm talking <laughs> to you.
2: We'll wait and see till next week. Definitely, yeah. I don't
1: know who they got. Oh, who they got? Oh, I kind of want to
2: have a the look Shit, I
1: probably went to
2: them. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I hope it's <laughs> the because I'll, i uh, I live vicariously through everybody else this season. But uh, yeah. yeah, we'll find it. I kind of, I kind of, I'm kind of doing this at the moment. While well, I only have the one screen, I need to get my setup going next week. But uh, who is it? Where is it? Uh, I've got oh, it I here. Can tell you oh, boy, Fremantle. It is. Fremantle in over here in the west. So we'll see how they go. We'll see how they go. Uh, Melbourne versus the GWS Giants. They were playing in a pond. It was absolutely belting down. Uh, 515 to 75. Unfortunately, Melbourne on the wrong end of it. 45 to 47. Christian keeps on keeping on. Petrarca with a 128. Jack Viney, who just loves these conditions, 127. Angus Brayshaw with a 116. Max Gorn with a 111. Stephen May with a 101. From a GWS perspective, uh, Tom Green with a 128, uh, Sam Taylor with a 118, Nick Haynes with a 115, Um, Briggs and Canelio, 87, 86. I swear Briggs was on 102 with like two minutes to go, and somehow he's dropped to 87, and I'm not quite sure how it happened. Did you
1: see much of this game, mate? No, I didn't see any of it. Sorry. So I watched the end on it, but I'm just looking at the stats here. How did Himmelberg get? 20 kicks, 28 touches, 5 marks, one three, 4 2 tackles for 84 points.
2: So the only thing I can assume, I did the same. So I've got to be honest, I didn't watch the whole game either. I turned it on um, near the end when I could see that it was tight and, uh, and I wanted to see the end. I'm assuming, because this happened a couple of times in the last few minutes, I'm assuming he's taken nearly every kick out. So Melbourne kicked 15 behinds. I'm assuming he's gone long out to the wing and possibly just turned it over a few times or they're ineffective no, kicks no. from the kick out um, because that's all I can come up with. Or he's grubbed a few kicks because it, it was belting down. It was very rainy. So maybe just the efficiency sort of just killed him a little bit. But it's an interesting one with like Isaac coming back into the side. Um, you got Sam Taylor and things back there. But has he, he's probably done enough to still go, look, I still think he's possibly the guy to come back in I'm not sure who he goes for like I still trust Jesus is gonna find the footy again. you know does he make my back six? He does. I think I've got to give up either Mitchell or Wilmot and and bring him in. I think they give me he gives me a bit more confidence than those two yep. <laughs> yeah. or yeah. I've got to bring in or I've got to bring in um, I've got to bring in um, Geelong I've got to bring in Tom Stewart is what I would.
1: Yeah, if you can uh, yeah, find it, down,
2: that's a good one. Yeah, we apologize to everyone. We probably don't have too much to go into this one. Um, look, it was an absolute belter of a rain game. Um, yeah, we'll try and give you some more when we uh, look to who you bring in. What I do know is Pachaka had an absolute blinder, and uh, the big horse said, if you move in Oliver, he was the one to bring in. I'm lucky enough that I had him halfway through the year, but, um, yeah, he looks like he just keeps finding the footy for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Which gets us to our last game of the round, which was a little bit of, well, not a little bit, a big scare for uh, the St Kilda Football Club against West Coast here over in the West. Uh, 77 to 85, but West Coast were up with about, I think they they were definitely up by about 20 or 30 points at one point early on in the game um, and looked every bit aside. But uh, St Kilda found a way to dig back in and, and get the job done. Shannon Hearn with a 144, Duggan with a 114, Witherden 111, Barras with a 105, and Shuey with a 100. Uh, Brad Crouch with a 134. Sinclair with a 116 was heavily tagged uh, by, I'm pretty sure it was Xavier O'Neill. Um, I could be wrong, but I think it was Xavier O'Neill. Um, and then he got moved into the midfield in sort of the second half last quarter and, and let launch a bit more. Uh, Dougal Howard with a 116, Rowan Marshall with a 104, Wood with a 103, and Owens with a 102. Did you get a look in on this one, mate? Not a lot,
1: but West Coast didn't kick a goal for the last 40 minutes of the game and still only Mm -hmm. lost by two goals.
2: They were up big time. They were up big time.
1: You heard it in the media that out of the teams that are in the top eight, yes, Essendon are in there, and yes, I don't think they're going to make the eight come the end of the year, but. Out of all the teams that they believed were going to drop out of the eights, the general consensus was that they don't believe St Kilda are a final side. Yep. After watching this or seeing part of this, listening to part of this, they're definitely not a final side. To come up against a team that only has 25 fit players, you got to remember their twos got smacked by 200 and something points against East Fremantle that have – I don't think they have any AFL-listed players on their list at the moment.
2: No. So, no. Well,
1: yeah, I don't think they do. So for you twos to get smacked by that, you know your depth's shit out. And to come up against West Coast and to be given a scare like that, you're not that good. So, yeah, I don't know what Rossi Lyon's going to do, but, yeah, something needs to change because that that's too close for comfort for St Kilda supporters and the St Kilda Footy Club. Against a team that should easily be bottom of the ladder, shouldn't come close to winning games. We brought up stats uh, early last week where percentage-wise, West Coast are in the top five for lowest percentage points for in the history mm. of the AFL. Mm. So you're talking about they're worse than Fitzroy from 25 years ago, uh, twenty, nearly 30 years ago for those that are old enough to remember that team, <laughs> and they stunk. Mm. So right. for St Kilda a top eight side at the moment to let this get as close as what this was, your season's done.
2: Imagine if I told you they're only a percentage out of being top four.
1: That's that's horrible. It's
2: crazy. It's crazy. Like, look, i got to it's go crazy. and do a bit of predictors. I look at it as well. But look, Geelong sitting in ninth. I feel they're a final side. GWS, I'm not sure. Fremantle, I'm not sure. Um, Gold Coast, definitely not a final side in my opinion. Sydney really have to do something crazy to get there. Um. Yeah, look, St Kilda or Essendon. You know, St Kilda's only a game ahead of them. Um, I feel like Adelaide, are definitely a final side. I want to see them there because I think they are dangerous if they get there. Um, but um, yeah, someone like St Kilda or Essendon, I think, has to be the team to drop out for Geelong. Yep. I think that's it. I think I think that'll be it. I think that'll be the only change unless somebody does something really crazy below and gets on a bit of a run. But from a West Coast perspective, my insiders here told me that there was a very, very big, uh, speech, probably a speech of all speeches from Luke Shuey after last week's game, a lot centered around the idea of actually how much this jumper meant to him. Um, sounds like a bit of a cliche speech, but from what I heard, it was extremely passionate, um, of What that jumper meant to him, how much he's bled for that jumper, and how much he loves it. And if anyone isn't in that same mold and can't get on with that journey or that story, it's time to leave. So it doesn't surprise me that Luke Shuey came out and played the way he did, and and even the team sort of rose to the occasion. And it was nice to see, mate, your your player as well, Elijah Hewitt, kicked his first goal and then his second goal ever in the game of uh, the game of football. And he's uh, he's a bit of a live wire. He went off on a bit of a two hundred meter sprint after he kicked it, but. Yeah, look, I yeah, I hear that they're up and about. They want to get behind Simo, but I think there's a lot to go on still at that club and still to play out for the next for year or two. But yeah, that's it for round 16. Um, Mate, the ladder's an interesting one. I think it's a – I just sort of touched on it there. Now that Melbourne had that loss to GWS today, they're sitting on 36 points. You've got Collingwood up at 52, Port Adelaide up at 52. I think they're the clear one-two in the side. I think Brisbane are, are right up in the mix when they're playing at home. They're on 44. And then you've got Melbourne, St Kilda, and the Western Bulldogs on 36. And then you've got Adelaide and Essendon on 32. And then just outside, Geelong on 30. GWS on 28, Frio 28, Gold Coast 28 as well. So we're really lined up for what's going to be an absolute snorter of a second half of the season. Um, I'm excited to
1: strap in and see how that goes. Any final words from you, mate? Yeah, I've got two for those that are on the standard squeeze or haven't got the standard squeeze yet. Jump on the website, standard insight 15, you get 15% off all your purchases, purchases, sorry, courtesy of us here at insight fantasy sports and our uh, Insight Fantasy Sports Supercoach League, the Maui Mudsliders have won it for the second time in three weeks. Oof. With a score of 2,678. Wow. Which is good for 16th overall in Australia. So to Daniel Peckham, who Lives a stone's throw away from me, and is a Collingwood supporter. Piss off! You don't deserve it. But <laughs> I, I think we'll up it if he's a second time winner. We might have to include a four in one for him.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I'll, you may I'll, um, you know, I know the standard squeeze are good for it, but if they're not, I'll, I'll happily chip in for that. But I know they're good for it, so yeah, I reckon. It's, I reckon a four in one for sure to go along with his uh, container packs that he's got from them as well. There's no better combination in my opinion. So. Every time someone comes around and asks what it is, they get excited when I tell them. So congratulations.
1: That's massive. Well done. I'll tell you, he would have cracked 2,700 if he had have had Sheldrick on the field and benched Laird. So there you go.
2: (laughs) Got to love hindsight because you're always going to do that combination, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it's really good. It's a good score. Love it. Love to hear it. Love to see it. Very good. Thank you to our friends at The Standard Squeeze for hooking him up and hooking us up. Support those who support us. Go and use that Insight15 code um, on all their products. Mate, it's That's been a pleasure. We've got, uh, we've got three shorts to do this week, everybody. We've already done the Defenders one. So if you haven't seen it on your list and you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe. Go and check out who we think is going to be our standard squeeze Super sixes in the defense to finish out the year. Your mate Caleb Daniel didn't have the best game this week, but I'm still loving his role. And I actually reckon he might push his way still into that top six. As I said mm-hmm. before, Tom Stewart with that 147 goes a long way to getting that 120 average to finish off the year. So I think I'm going to have to jump in there. We will deliver on our midfields. We will deliver on our rucks and we will deliver on our forwards. So make sure you look out for that, everyone, when you're making those final primo type trades to finish off this year, to finish near the top of your leagues, to get in those top five percentiles, to get the bragging rights with all your friends. It's been an absolute pleasure. Mickey Dell. Until next time, this has been the Insight Fantasy Sport Podcast. Peace out. See ya.